the songs that have been sung, everything has been coordinated. And um, God wants to speak to us today. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I know that, that we, we stood a moment ago. If you will just stand for just a minute, I'm going to read a couple of verses. Then I will let you be seated. It's Hebrews chapter 3. I apologize that some of you got handouts that were torn. My cutter blade was not what it should have been today. So, But Paul is writing. I want you to understand that Paul is writing to Christians here in Hebrews. He's writing to people who know the Lord. He's writing to people who have the Holy Ghost. And he says, verse 7, Wherefore, I'm not going to read all of this, but he says, Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith. Everybody say Holy Ghost. Everybody say it's the Holy Ghost speaking. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness when your fathers tempted me and proved me and saw my works forty years. Wherefore, I was grieved with that generation and said, They do always err in their heart. They have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. I'm going to preach to you a little bit today about entering into rest. How many of you understand that God has a rest for us? And He wants us to experience it and enjoy it praise God. Father, we thank you again for your spirit and presence that we felt here today. We ask now, Lord, for you to bless your word in our hearts as it goes forth. As always, Lord, your word is always anointed. But Lord, we want our hearts to be ready to receive it today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody say amen. Turn around and shake hands with somebody as you're seated. Thank you for standing. Praise the Lord. Everybody say praise the Lord. I'm just going to, if it's okay with you, I'm, I'm going to kind of, I'm going to do some treaching today, but I'm going to talk to you from my heart as well. And um, I want to continue reading there. He, he said, they shall not enter into my rest. Everybody say rest. Verse 12. Now remember again, folks, that Paul is writing to Christians here. And he said, take heed, brethren lest there be any of you and in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. And I had this conversation with, with uh, Brother Preston before church. We were talking about that. Uh, if, you, if you can't, some folks believe you can't be, sa- uh, can't be lost once you've been saved. But the writer here says that you need to take heed, brethren. He's speaking to brethren. And he says, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. You understand you can depart from God. Somebody said, God will never leave you. No, he won't, but you can leave him. But exhort one another daily. Everybody say, exhort one another daily. This is why you need the church. And I'm not going to go into it today because it would take... That's a whole sermon in and of itself. But the fact of the matter is, is you can't, the Bible commands us to love one another, encourage one another, exhort one another, admonish one another, pray for one another, confess our sins one to another, 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 another. You can't do that by yourself. 
You've got to be part of a church to be able to do all of those things. He said, exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin, for we are made partakers of Christ if what? If we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. That kind of settles the argument, doesn't it, Brother Preston? Amen. He'd been talking with somebody at work that wanted to argue about that. But the Bible tells us we've got to hold that to the end. Hold it to the end. While it is said, today if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. For some, when they had heard, did provoke, howbeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses. But with whom was he grieved forty years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? I love the Apostle Paul, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness. That's pretty brutal right there. And to whom swear he that they should enter, should not enter into his rest? Everybody say rest. But to them that believe not. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Then he goes on in chapter 4. Let us therefore fear lest a promise being left of us of entering into his rest. Everybody say rest. Any of you, everybody say you, should seem to come short of it. He's talking to Christians here. Yet he says you, if you aren't careful, will come short of rest. Y'all got that? You got that? Verse 3 says, For we which have believed do enter into rest. Everybody say rest. See, I'm going to make you participate in this with me, whether you want to or not. As he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest. Everybody say rest. Although the works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest. Everybody say rest. The seventh day from all his works, and in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest, say rest. Seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. Oh my. They to whom it was first preached entered not. Let me tell you something. I'm, I'm kind of jumping ahead of myself. I told you I'm, I'm just going to kind of play this by ear a little bit. But, but let me say this. Those who think, I'm jumping ahead, but those who think that the Sabbath day is your rest, those people practiced it for centuries. And Paul said they didn't enter in. Centuries. And yet Paul said they missed it. Hallelujah. He said, where was I? Uh, okay, first verse 7. Again, he limiteth a certain day, saying in David, Today, after so long a time, as it is said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. For if Jesus had given them rest, everybody say rest, then would he not afterward have spoken of another day? Here's a news flash for you. Even Jesus didn't give them rest. Jesus said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. But he told his disciples how to get it. He said, go wait in the city of Jerusalem for the promise of the Father. Oh, hallelujah. Verse 9. There remaineth therefore a rest. Everybody say rest to the people of God. For he that is entered into his rest. Everybody say rest. He hath also ceased from his own works as God did from his. Let us labor. Therefore, to enter into that rest, say rest one more time, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. Is it pretty obvious that he had a big emphasis on rest? That's pretty clear, isn't it? Eleven times in that passage alone, 
The writer to the Hebrews talks about rest, and he talks about rest. But here's, a, here's a, another newsflash for you. The concept of rest is not just here in Hebrews. It starts in the book of Genesis because the Bible says God rested on the seventh day. Now, do you folks understand that God never does anything casually? You understand that it's not just, he just didn't decide, I think I'll just rest on the seventh day and, and I'm tired and that's it. And, and, you know, and, oh, by the way, angel, write that down in the book. You know, somebody might ask a question about it a couple thousand years from now. That's not the way that God operates. And so it would be a mistake for us to think that this was some kind of oddity because nothing is ever coincidence with God. Because not only does the Bible tell us that God rested, on the seventh day. But the Bible keeps coming back over and over and over again to that same concept and that same idea and it lets me know that it means a lot more than we realize sometimes. God had just ten commandments but one of those ten was honor the Sabbath day, keep it holy, rest on the Sabbath day. God wants us to have rest Exodus 23 and 10 and 11, look at what he said about the land, about what the law said about the land. It said, in six years thou shalt sow thy land and shalt gather in the fruits thereof, but the seventh day thou shalt let it rest and lie still. Again, the fourth commandment, Exodus 23, 12, six days shalt thou do thy work, and in the seventh day thou shalt rest. Everybody say rest. Exodus 31, 15, six days may work be done, but in the seventh is the Sabbath of rest, holy to the Lord. God told the Israelites in Exodus 33, 14, my presence shall go with thee and I will give thee rest. David wrote songs about resting in the Lord. Psalm 37, 7 says, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. Rest in the Lord. How, how many of you need rest? Anybody ever get tired? Anybody need rest? Isaiah prophesied. Now listen. Isaiah prophesied that the day would come when Jesus would provide rest. In Isaiah 11 and 10, in that day shall be a root of Jesse and his rest shall be glorious. Isaiah 30, 15, for thus saith the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest shall ye be saved. In quietness and in confidence shall be your strength and ye would not. And then one of my favorites, Isaiah 20 and 11, for with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people, but he didn't stop there. He said, to whom he said, this is the rest wherewith ye may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing, and yet they would not hear. This is the rest. He described it. He identified it. Jesus prophesied about it in Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And I can tell you today that 
Time doesn't allow me to go through all of this. This is just a fraction of what the Bible has to say about rest. But, but let's just suffice it to say that the Bible is full of symbolism and prophecies and the word of God pointing to rest for the people of God. God wants you to rest. He wants to give you rest. I mentioned earlier about this modern movement. There, a modern movement, and many of them are well-meaning people. And I'm not, I'm not standing up here today to to ridicule anybody. Or, but, but the truth is the truth. And there, are, there's a modern movement amongst Christians that want to go back to the Sabbath day as our rest. And they want, they believe, if you don't strictly observe the Sabbath day that you are somehow uh, violating God's command. But let me tell you something. It was never the command or intention of God for one day to be the rest that he wants you to have. That was never his intention. The Bible declares that that was never God's intention. Jesus was surrounded by people who would never have dared to work on the Sabbath day. And you know what he said to them? Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Because, you see, this rest that you're observing on the seventh day, this is not not the end result. This is not what God intended for it to be. He didn't intend for you to have one day. Look at what Paul said. Paul said in Colossians 2 and 16 and 17, this is very important, so make sure you read along this with me. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of a holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath. By the way, the word days there is italicized because it was added by the translators. He said of the Sabbath, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. In other words, what he was saying is the purpose of the giving of the Sabbath day was to teach us that there's a better rest that is coming. It's a shadow. It was never intended. God wasn't going to say to his people, I'm just going to give you one day of rest and then the rest of the time you're just going to be on your own. What he did is he said, I'm going to give you a day. But every time you celebrate that day, Every time you worship on that day, I want you to remember that there's a day coming when you're going to have a rest and a peace and a joy that's not just going to be on a Saturday or a Sunday or a Monday or a Tuesday or a Wednesday or a Thursday or a Friday, but I want to give you a rest that is going to be lasting 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. That was the plan of God. And that's why he said that with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people. This is the rest wherewith he may cause the weary to rest. This is the refreshing, but he said, but they would not hear. Paul even said it. We read it ourselves. Paul even said Jesus didn't give them that rest, but he promised it. He said, you can have it. He said, it's coming. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. He said, if Jesus had given them that rest, he would not have spoken of another day. God wants you to have rest. He wants you to have rest. But yet, 
Here is the problem, folks. The problem is, is, and even Paul recognized this in writing to Hebrews, so many times we as children of God don't take advantage of the rest that God has for us. In Isaiah, he said, they would not hear. He said, this is the rest, this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. In Hebrews, he said, some would harden their hearts. In Hebrews, he said, some would have an evil heart of unbelief. Looking back at what he said in Hebrews 4.1, Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you, everybody say you, should seem to come short of it. He's talking to people who have the Holy Ghost, and yet he says some of you will come short of it if you're not careful. He said, there remaineth a rest to the people of God. Let us therefore labor to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. What I'm saying to us, folks, is too many times we don't take advantage of the rest that God has for us. And I have said this, we voluntarily carry burdens that we don't have to carry. I have seen it in my own life. I've been guilty of it. Anybody else been guilty of it before? And how do I know that we don't have to carry them? I'll tell you how I know it. If you believe Scripture, do we believe the Word of God? Did not Jesus say, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Did he not say that? Did he not say, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me? For I am meek and lowly. My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Did he not say that? So if you come to before God and you say, but God, I am carrying a heavy burden. Here's what God says in reply. I didn't put that burden on you. Because he said, my burden is light. What he's trying to say, God says to us so many times, he says, I'm making you an offer. And my offer is that we can trade burdens. My offer is you can give it to me. You can lay it down right here. He says, if you will trust me and put it in my hands, he said, here's what I will do. In exchange, I will give you a light load. I will give you a light burden because my yoke is easy. My burden is light. But you've got to be willing to give me your heavy load. And you know what we do? We fight with it. We struggle with it. I've been doing that. I've, I've been guilty of that many times. We carry burdens. We live in turmoil that we don't have to live in. We fight battles we don't have to fight. That song said, truth is I'm tired. Take me to the king. We have got to learn when we are up against the wall and we feel like we're being crushed. I've learned to say this in my own life when I feel like I can't take it anymore. I have learned just when I'm up against the wall, my back's against the wall, I say, God, your word says you did not put this on me. 
And since your word says you did not put this on me, I am challenging you right now to take it. I'm putting it in your hands. I'm turning it over to you. I want you to remove the worry. I want you to remove the fear. I want you to remove the doubt because it belongs to you. You didn't put it on me. You told me to take it and give it to you. I'm, what I'm preaching to us today is, listen, I, and I know this is a little on the teaching side, but, but you, we fight battles we don't have to fight. And we, we get, listen, we get advice from people and, and folks mean well and folks can tell you things and, and sometimes, you know, they can help you. They can help you fix a flat tire and they can help you move furniture and they can help you do this and they can help you do that. But I'm here to tell you something. There is nothing that will give you rest like a good bath in the Holy Ghost. There is nothing that will give you rest like a good outpouring of the Spirit. There is nothing that will give you rest like just getting in the Spirit and letting God give you what He has already promised to give you. We went to to eat with Brother Sister Gray last night. Sister Amanda and I got to, to go eat over there at Culver's. Never ate at Culver's before. It was actually pretty good. Try it sometime. But we ate, and I was telling Brother and Sister Gray, I told them, and they, they understand this. They're, they're, not only are they my in-laws, but they're my elders in the Lord. And we were sitting there talking. I said, you know what I need right now more than anything else? I said, what we really need as a church is, I said, we just, we need a good bath in the Holy Ghost. That's what we, re- we need. I said, we need rest in the Holy Ghost because I'm tired in body. But I'm going to tell you that you can be tired in body and yet get in the presence of God. You get in the presence of God and it seems like the weariness goes away. You can be having money struggles, but you get in the presence of God and your faith is renewed. You can be feeling sick. Get in the presence of God and the healer will walk into the room and touch you in your body and not just in your body, but in your mind and your soul and your spirit. All things can be made new in a moment just getting into the presence of God. Like she said in the song, take me to the king. Get me to the house of God. This is why, this is why David, this is what separated David from Saul. Is when King Saul got into trouble, he went after witches and he went after every kind of mess you could think of. But when David got into trouble, David said, take me to the house of God. Take me to the presence of the Lord. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. If I could just get in God's house, I know that everything will be all right. And that's got to be your attitude is you've got to say, I've got to get in the presence of the Lord. I've got to get in the presence of the Lord. I've got to get in the presence of the Lord. Well, you got this problem. you got that problem. I've got to get in the presence of the Lord. Sister Wilson, it'll be all right if I can just get in the presence of the Lord. If I can just find Jesus. If I can just get down and kneel at his feet. If I can just get to where he is. If I can just touch the hem of his garment. I know that everything is going to be all right. I've got to get into that spirit of rest. I've got to get to that spirit of rest. Somebody might say, but pastor, preacher, why do you focus so much on the moving of the spirit and the moving of the Holy Ghost? Because I know what's going to help you. I know what's going to fix your problem. 
You, you can, there's, I'm not against doctors and I'm not against lawyers and I'm not against accountants and I'm not against auto mechanics, but I can tell you that a good move of God will accomplish more in 30 seconds than all of those could accomplish in a lifetime. Sometimes all you need is a good bath in the Holy Ghost. And the first step to getting that rest is to understanding A, that you need it, and B, where to get it. Hallelujah. And how to keep it. That's right. I told Brother and Sister Gray, I said, we just, I, just, we, I just need a good move of the Holy Ghost. That'll, 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 that'll solve a multitude of problems right there. Just a good move of the Holy Ghost. Does anybody know what I'm talking about today? There's this thing. I'm, I'm closing here in a second, but there's this thing. There's this thing in the uh, air. What's the word I'm looking for? In flight airplanes that was first discovered in the 1930s. Now, hear me out, folks. There's a, how many of you have ever heard of this thing called the jet stream? The jet stream. The jet stream is a river of air that flows over North America. And prior to the 1930s, prior to the 1930s, Brother Joe, when a plane was flying from Tokyo to Honolulu or flying overseas, over to, to over the Pacific, in the 40s and the 50s, they had to stop and they had to refuel because they ran out of gas. But then the jet stream was discovered. And a pilot by the name of John Kelly of Pan Am was one of the first to use the jet, screen, jet stream in the 1950s. And here's how he described it. Brother Curry, he said in the jet stream, he said, when we got into this river of air, of wind. He said, there's no weather whatsoever. He said, there's no clouds. He said, as you fly through it, he said, as long as you stay in the center of the jet stream, there's no turbulence. The plane isn't rocked. He said, matter of fact, you you could just coast along and let that wind carry you. Planes have to use very little little fuel because they're just being pushed in the jet stream. He said, the only problem comes, now listen to me. He said, is when you drift too close to the edge, you run into turbulence. They learned a trick, the pilots did, they learned a trick for staying. They called it the Great Wind River. And they learned a trick for staying in the middle of it. They learned that the temperature in the middle of the jet stream is 10 to 15 degrees warmer than it is near the edges. So all they had to do was watch the temperature gauge. And by watching the temperature gauge, they could tell if they were drifting too far to the left or too far to the right. Now when the day of Pentecost was fully come, They were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a jet stream, as of a mighty rushing wind. 
and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. What I'm telling us today is what we've got to learn to do is to get in the middle of the jet stream because in the middle of the jet stream, the Holy Ghost jet stream, your burden is easy. Your yoke is easy. Your burden is light. If you'll just get in the jet stream, but if you drift too far one way or the other, you're going to run into turbulence. It's only when you get too close to the edge. What we got to do is learn how to stay in the jet stream. That's what I want to do today. I want to get in it and I want to stay in it. I want to just kick back and say, okay, Lord, I'm in the jet stream now. You carry me. You tell me. You just carry this thing where you want it to go. Praise God. And I'm just going to focus on staying in the middle, Brother Preston. I'm going to focus on going right down the line. And I'm gonna, God, I'm going to let you take care of everything else. And he said, if you'll get in the jet stream and stay there, you won't need nearly as much fuel because he said, I'm going to take you, take you through it. I'm going to carry you. It's, everything is going to go a lot smoother if you'll just get in the spirit and if you'll let me take yeah. over. Yeah. Hallelujah. Some of you need to get in the spiritual jet stream today. He said, I came to give you rest. I came to give you rest. I want to give you rest not just on Sunday, not just on Monday, not just on Tuesday, not just on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I want to give you rest. I want you to get into my jet stream. I want you to let me give you direction. I want you to let me carry you. Hallelujah. Would you stand with me today? Hallelujah. 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 Come on, lift your hands. Let the Lord touch you. Some of you need that touch. Some of you need that touch. Some of you need that encouragement. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, hallelujah. Praise God, Brother Joe. I know you face some heartache today, but there's a jet stream. There's a jet stream. Hallelujah. There's rest. There's rest. There's peace. There's rest. There's rest. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, why don't you pray for somebody right now? Pray for somebody right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody, you can pray rest for somebody. 
you can pray deliverance for somebody. 